Joel chapter number 2, verse number 25. You found your place, shout a big amen. 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 The Bible says this, Joel chapter number 2, verse 25, And I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. And you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that have dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. I want to read those two verses one more time this morning. And I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. And ye shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that have dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never be ashamed. I want to preach on this thought this morning. I will restore to you. I will restore to you. Lord, we love you. We thank you, God, for your many blessings of life. God, we thank you, Lord, for the ability, God, to be in this place. And God, I pray that you would strengthen us and help us this morning. God, there's nothing that we can do in ourselves, God, except you help us, Lord. That's the only way we can do anything. And God, I believe in my heart this morning that this is what you've, Lord, you've put in there. Uh, God, this scripture, Lord, wouldn't leave my mind, Lord. And God, these thoughts wouldn't leave my mind. And God, I know, Lord, in those situations, God, it must be for somebody that's in this place. I'm not preaching the wall. This morning, I'm preaching to people. And I pray, God, that you would use my tongue, guard my mouth. God, empty me of sin and self and fill me with your spirit and your power from on high. Anoint me from the top of my head down to the very soles of my feet. In Jesus' name we ask and we do humbly pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I will restore to you. Uh, here in the book of Joel, it's a, it's a chapter, well, it's a book, really, uh, that don't really get read too much and too often by people. And you say, Preacher, why is that? And that's because the book of Joel, it's a judgment book. It is a just a small little book uh, uh, that is written, basically, the moral that many people grab from this book is that it's a judgment book. We find where Israel, the nation of Israel, it's in big trouble. Uh, they have done wrong. They have done some sins and the sins that they did are not mentioned in the book of Job but many people believe that it was things like complacency and stuff like that but no matter the sin they had done some sin they had done some wrong and so God uh, being who he is he, he sends destruction he sends some stuff some consequences for what they had done in the nation of Israel but many people forget about uh, really the ending of Joel and especially this verse verse of scripture that I read in your hearing we will find and when I preach a little bit you'll understand this that this is not brother Chaz just the book of judgment but if we read this we'll find that this is a book of restoration as well because we'll find where the enemy comes in he takes things we find where they have consequence for their sins but yet we're able to read in a book of judgment here in verse 25 where the Lord says that I will restore a 
to you so we can get in the message this morning. You can understand where I'm going. Number one, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down of the problem. I want you to notice the problem in the text. You will, If you was to read the book of Joel, you'll find this out that they, uh, they, 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 they faced a, a great problem of devastation. If you read the first parts of chapter number one, you will find a little bit more uh, about this, this, this uh, uh, problem of devastation that they had. You'll find that when they had sinned and they had done wrong, you'll find that the Lord sent a bunch of insects basically. And that's what he's mentioned here in, in, in verse 25. He talks about the locust, the canker worm, and the caterpillar, and the palmer worm. And, and the way that the destruction happened, brother, the chances that the locusts would come into the land and they would eat just about everything. But to make matters worse, after the locusts come through and they ate just about everything, the, the, the canker worm and the palmer worm, they came, they came in and really ate everything. So if you'll find out and do some study and then some research that these insects, when they came into the land, they didn't eat things like just wood. They come in, Brother Chaz, and they ate the crop. They ate things that they needed. Uh, I mean, things like their corn, the things that they needed in their crop to feed their family, to make a fortune. These locusts came through and it devastated them in their land. Not only do we find the, that they face devastation, but they find destruction. And when all of this is going on, Brother Chaz, and, and, the, and the locust is coming in and it is, it is destructing everything, now we find the enemy surrounding enemies and nations and armies. They don't come in there to help that nation, but what they do is they come in there to hinder them. They'll fight them and kill off their people. What they're trying to do is take that nation and take that land. So now just to get you to understand, here's the nation of Israel. They have faced devastation. They have faced destruction. The insects has came in. The locusts have came in. They've ate their crop. They've ate what they could, what they could produce. Now these enemies are coming in and they're killing off their people. I did some research on this, Steve, that when them locusts come in and them canker worms come in, not only do they eat the, 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 the uh, crops that are on the vine, but they also eat the seeds that are left. So, so Tyler, not only do the current harvest get ruined, but the seeds from last year's harvest are gone. And the seeds for next year's harvest are gone. They've got three years that they know that they're going to deal with this destruction. And on top of all of that, they've got surrounding enemies that are coming in and killing off their people and trying to take their land. Ain't that how the devil works this morning? Where not only does he send one thing that just destructs you, but now he's going to try to desolate you. It's one thing after another thing and it seems like it gets harder and a little bit harder. I believe this morning if we looked at the nation of Israel we see similarities in our nation of this, and this morning. We see that this virus has came in. It's got worse and then on top of all this you got these bunch of idiots in Washington that are messing around politically and it just seems like the devil if you don't believe the devil has his hands in that mess you are blind. All of this stuff that we're facing in a nation. It is artwork by the enemy. Artwork by the devil. He is fighting the people of God on every hand. You say, preacher, 
You're talking about on a widespread, talking about you as well. I'm not just talking about this nation. But I can say personally, I faced the devil. I faced his destruction. I faced his attacks, Chaz. I faced it when the enemy comes in and it's wake up one Monday morning after having a great Sunday service. You wake up Monday morning and the devil's right there in your face. He's fighting you every day. And if it ain't one thing Tuesday, it's another thing. And if it ain't one thing Tuesday, Brother Chad, you wake up Wednesday and it's another thing. And it seems like the devil continues to fight and continues to fight. Not only do we see the destruction and the devastation, the desolation, but if things couldn't get worse, you ever... I don't know about you. Have you ever said this? Man, things couldn't get worse for me. And then you find out next day it gets worse for you. (laughs) I believe nation of Israel said, well, all of our crops are gone. The enemies are coming in and killing off our people. It can't get much worse than that. Now they ain't raining. Now the Lord doesn't shut up the sky and they're in a drought. So not only do they not have seeds, they don't even have water to, to produce any crops. And while they're facing all of this, enemies are coming in every day and killing them off. Do you understand that they're in a position, they're in a big problem because not only what they have is destroyed, they have no earthly way to move forward. I'm going to tell you this, this is the, the, the goal and the mission of the devil in your life. Not only to take things from you today, but take so much stuff from you today that you'll never have enough courage. You'll never have enough strength. You'll never have enough joy to move past it. You'll be stuck in your hurt. Have you ever met anybody, maybe in your family or friends, that, man, they went through a certain something in their life and it seems like it's been years now and they just can't move past it. You know why that is? It's not because of them. It's because the enemy has come in and took everything from them and they have no earthly way to move forward. They've got a big problem in the nation of Israel. We see the problem but I want to show you the plea. Not only the problem but there's a plea here. Look in verse number 12 of chapter number 2. The Bible says this, Therefore also now saith the Lord, Turn ye even to me with all your heart, and with fastening, and with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your heart and not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil. Who knoweth if he will return and repent and leave a blessing behind him? Even a meat offering and a drink offering unto the Lord your God. You know what's going on here? Uh, here in, in verses 12, 13, and 14, there's a plea to the people. Uh, the prophet Joel, he is making a plea to the people of God. He is basically preaching a sermon. And he's preaching this sermon. And he's telling the people that are listening. He's saying, guys, are we not going to come back to the Lord? Don't you see our wrong? Don't you see where we're at? Uh, we, we can't move forward. Everything is taken from us. Everything is messed up from us. He says we ought to repent of everything we've done and we ought to go down there mourning, weeping and fastening and praying. And he says this, when you return, return not with your garments but return with your heart. 
Now, now up to this point, it's been easy, but this one little point in the message is going to be tough for you. Sometimes we think we can come with the Lord with our earthly vessel. We think we can come. He said, return not with your garments, but return with your heart. You say, preacher, I've hit the altar. Preacher, I've been praying. Preacher, I've been asking that God would restore the things that the enemy has took in my life. I've asked him to renew it. I've asked him to grow me once again, but yet here I am, still in the same mess, still in the same situation. I'm still at a loss. Maybe you need to take your garments off and come to the Lord with your heart. Your garments can't do anything for you. You say, preacher, I don't know what you're talking about. Coming to him with your heart. He said with weeping and mourning. When you get to the place where you long to have back what the devil has stolen your life. You won't come to him in your clothes. But you come to him broken hearted. You'll say God I need it back. God give him my joy. God give him my peace. God give him my strength. It's time that the people of God come back to him with our heart. said this, Brother Steve, this week. I was thinking about this. Just the difference. The difference of churches now and then. And I remember, Brother Steve, some of the most wonderful services. Some of you that used to worship in this sanctuary, you could take, you could take a look around this sanctuary this morning. And you can remember in your mind where God was moving and flooding this place. Some of you have been saved on this altar. Some of you have been helped and strengthened on this very altar this morning. What has changed? We stopped coming to him with our heart. We've come with him with our earthly stuff. We've come to him with our earthly things. We've yet to approach him with our heart. Joe's begging the people. He's given a plea. A, what kind of plea? A plea of repentance. He's saying come back to him. But now he's given a plea in verse number 16. A plea of restoration. He says in verse number 16, gather the people. Come and gather them together. He said, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and those that suck the breast. Let the bridegroom go forth of his chamber and the bride of, uh, out of her closet. Preacher, what is he saying there? He's saying, get everybody together because we're about to get restored. The enemy has took some things. The enemy has messed up our lives, but we're about to gather our people up and we're about to go to the house of God. Not with our garments, but with our heart. See, if you study out a little bit about the Old Testament and the tabernacle, they would have to put certain garments on to approach the throne of grace. They had to put the shawl, they had all of this stuff. Joel saying, Listen, don't worry about come with him to him with our hearts this morning. He's saying, Get them together, get them all together. Let's go to the house of God. Let's go to the Lord with our heart. Why did Joel do this? You know why, the, you know why Joel did this? Because he knew 
what the Bible says that the fervent and effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You say, preacher, what does that, what does that verse of scripture mean? It means when you come to the Lord broken down in your heart and in your spirit, you've got stuff that you can't fix, you've got stuff that you can't work out, you've got stuff that you can't have back. And when you get so frustrated with it and you've done all that you can do and you approach Him and you say, here it is, God, that's with your heart. When you come to Him like that, that's when God will give it to you. Now, Lord, if I could just be honest. Honest confession is good for the soul, what the Bible says. The Lord whipped me good this week. Don't get me wrong. I'm worried about our nation. I'm worried about our churches. And, and, and I'm worried about this virus and how it affects our church and growing. I'm, I'm worried about all that stuff. You say, preacher, you're a preacher. You're not supposed to worry. Hey, I, I still get mad if I hit my finger with a hammer. And I, I've been praying about it, Steve. Don't get me wrong. I've been praying about it. But man, one day this week, I was really praying hard. It was a Tuesday. I was praying hard as I could. I was praying for everybody here at the church. I was praying for our church. I was praying for our nation. And the next day, it just seemed like I got more bad news about the church and more bad news about the nation. And I said, God, are you not hearing me? God, your word says that you would give me the desires of my heart. God, I desire what I prayed yesterday. Why aren't you giving it to me? You know what the Lord showed me? He said, son, it ain't that you're not desiring it. It's just do you desire it enough because you prayed Tuesday, but did you pray about it Monday? You pray about it today? I said, no, God, I didn't. You know what I found out, Brother Steve? I didn't desire it as much as I thought I did. Because I'd go several days without praying about it again. But when you get to that place, Chaz, where it's every morning you wake up and it's on your mind and every evening it's on your mind and when you lay your head down at night on a pillow, those things that bother you in your soul, the things that bother you in your spirit, they won't let you sleep. They won't let you rest. They won't let you get no peace or no comfort. That's when it's a desire in your heart. And Joel's looking at the nation and he's seeing that God's wanting to move and God's wanting to fix and God's wanting to restore and God's wanting to repair and he's telling the people come on why he's wanting we find this we find the, the problem we find, we find the plea it's a plea of repentance a plea of re- restoration we find this in verse number 18 it starts it starts where the Lord begins to speak how many of you you look back at your life and you can recall those times, not just where you spoke to the Lord, but when he really spoke to you. They say our vice president is uh, schizophrenic. He's got mental issues because he said that he speaks to the Lord and the Lord speaks to him. I know what he's talking about. I know about them wee hours on a night, Tyler. I'm worried about stuff. Speaks. Preston, it just feels like the comfort and the warmth of heaven falls over me, allows me to sleep. I don't know if many of you know this, and I'm not afraid to admit it because I've moved on from it, but the last church I pastored, 
I struggled with depression real bad. I was on a lot of different medicines. I never slept. Out of a whole week, I might, I might get eight hours of sleep out of the whole week. And that's, that's good. And I battled with stuff. I thought about you know, suicide and stuff like that. It was real in a dark spot. I had tried everything, Chaz, to give me some peace and some comfort. Never could find it. I'd struggle to preach. I'd have to force myself to get up here to preach to people, and I didn't want to do it no more. I was done. I was, it was it. I, I had went and preached at, a, at some kind of revival. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I had went to preach at a church, and, and I got behind the pulpit, and it was the first time I'd ever got behind there and preached, Chaz, and I didn't feel God. I was frustrated and I was mad. I had about an hour and a half drive home and I was mad and I was frustrated. I told the Lord the whole way home. I said, God, I told you when I, when I announced my call to preach, I never want to get up here without you. And God, why did you leave me tonight? I cried my eyes out on the way back home and I poured into the driveway and as soon as the nose of that truck got into the driveway, God said, I never left you, son. You left me. I began to cry, and I said, God, if you'll just have me back. God, I don't, I, I, if you'll just take me back, God, I don't want anything extra. I just, I just never want to be left alone like that. God told me this. He said, son, I'll give back everything that you lost and some. That night, I, I heard the voice of God. In that pickup truck, God knew where I was. We find this lastly, the problem, the plea, we find the promise. Here in verse 26 where we begin to read, God's people have assembled together. He's assembled together in the sanctuary. They have been praying and lifting up their voices unto God. And at this moment, God begins to speak. In verse number 26, we pick up. He said this, and ye shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. And ye shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. And that I am the Lord your God and none else. My people shall never be ashamed. You say, preacher, what kind of promise did the Lord give there? Verse 26, he gave the promise of restoration. He said in verse, 20, in verse 25, I mean in verse 25 he said this, And I will restore to you. God begins to speak to a nation. Remember their problem. They had no crop. They had no seed. They had no water. They would have died right there on the ground. They had no way to move forward. And they had come to the end of their rope. God says, I'm going to restore to you everything that the locust has eaten. Everything that the caker worm and the palmer worm and the caterpillar, all everything that's been took to you, from you, I'm going to restore it back to you. I believe, Brother Chaz, if I was just there, I, 
I don't know. I believe that after God says this, I believe they're standing in amazement. I believe they're saying, Lord, you're talking about every seed down to the last drop. You're going to give that back. All all the pumpkins and the corn and the squash, all that stuff, you're going to give it back to us. Uh, uh, Yes, I'm going to restore. You know what that means? I believe the day that they walked out of that church building, I believe corn was already growing on the vine. I believe seeds were already laying on the ground. You say, why is that? Because when the Lord restores, it's not a process, but it's immediately, Brother Chaz, when God begins to restore. You say, Preacher, why are you preaching this this morning? Because I believe that there's people that's in this building this morning where you have lost some things over time through storms and trials and situations the enemy has took just a little bit at a time. And you're standing here this morning and you're come to the realization, I'm not the same Christian I was a year ago. I've been worser. I don't have the same shout. I don't have the same praise. And you don't know what to do about it. Let me say this this morning. That God will restore back to you everything that the enemy has taken. Let me say this. I want you right now in the back of your mind. I want you to think about this. And I want you to answer in yourself honestly. Can you honestly say... That you're a better Christian today than you was a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. Do you still have the same shout? Do you you still have the same amen? Do you still have the same praise? Do you still have the same prayer? Do you still have the same testimony? I want to tell you this without a doubt. You say, preacher, it can't happen. Yes, it can. God has shown me time and time again through dealing with people that they could be up here one year, be down here the next. Oh, preacher, that never happened to me. The Bible says this, that pride goeth before the fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. And once you think that you can't go from here to there, That's when you go there to there. I believe just looking at this virus and the way 2020 has been going, Brother Steve, man, they've been some Christians. Take a duck and a dive. They're not the same. They, some of you this morning, if you'd have heard that song that they sang a year ago, some of you have been shouting and running around this building, but you're not this morning. Some of you have done raised your hand and said amen, and maybe some of you have already hit the altar this morning a year ago, but you ain't done it today. Why? Maybe the devil's took some stuff. Maybe after a while he just poked little holes. Now you drained out. God told him, I will restore to you everything. Not only does he give this promise of restoration, he could have gave Brother Preston the promise of restoration and went to the house. But God adds a little bit more. Not only does he give this promise of restoration, but he gives the promise of revival in verse 26. Not only am I going to give back what you have, but now he said in verse 26, and ye shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. Now not only am I going to give you back what you lost, but I'm going to give you a little bit more too. So that you can say that you you are better now than you were a year ago. You say, preacher, what does that mean he ate in plenty? That right there. Y'all ever went to the buffet 
and you keep eating, and you keep eating, and you keep eating, and then it's boom. Kids, question, when y'all went and seen the Grudes, uh, the Crudes, ain't that what's called? And they went in there, and they knocked down that wall, and they ate everything in that place. And that little, that little boy was laying on his back talking about, is this what full feels like? That's what God can do. Not only can he give you back what, what you lost, but now he can give you a little bit more than that. And what happens is, is God will fill you and restore back to you. And the next thing you know, you're sitting there full as ever can be. That's when revival takes place. He said this, you shall eat plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God. Watch this at the end. A promise of restoration, a promise of revival. And then this, a promise of realization. Look in verse 27. And ye shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and none else. My people shall never be ashamed again. A promise of realization. This morning as we stand and they play something over the speakers. There ain't but one person that can take what the enemies stole from you and give it back. Then make you full and satisfied. Tim, this world can't do it. There's a lot of people, Miss Brianna, they've got an alcohol bottle in their hand this morning because they think that that thing's going to restore to them. There's people this morning that's got a needle in their hand because they think that can fix it. There's a lot of people that's with strange men and strange women. They're searching and trying to find something that can restore back to them. But there ain't but one thing this morning that can do that and accomplish that, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, preacher, I don't know why you're preaching this this morning because I believe there's some people that can get closer to God. There's some people that you're not the same that you used to be. The devil's fault. He's warred with you. And you find yourself in a place where you're just not there 